been thinking about that chronic, it got a nigga obsessed. All I can do is think about it and putting it in my chest. Feeling it in my lungs, that chronic, it got me sprung. Keeping me feeling numb, been smoking since I was young. Living the highlight, get your mind right. Give me the light so I can ignite this hydro and take flight. Well, ain't no better feeling than your first hit. Puff, puff, pass, man, I wrote this blunt perfect. Oh, yeah, you're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependent.org. We are also streaming live video on Facebook and YouTube. Just go to your Facebook page and look us up or hit C first to hear and see all the great programs that we have here on WNHHLP. Cannabis Corner is also streaming live on the Greenhaven Media Facebook page and ProCannabisMedia.com. Welcome. It is Monday, January 15th, 2024, MLK Day. Welcome to Cannabis Corner. I'm your host, Joe Lachance. I am joined here today on this lovely day by my co-host, Uncle Lou. Lou Vega, how are you today? I'm doing well, good sir, doing well. Just, uh, you know, getting through the day, just doing what we got to do, keep pushing forward, staying positive, just kind of trying to stay as positive as possible, I guess, right? That's, That's the name of the game these days. Just staying right positive, on. excited about everything that is going on in the space right now. Big shout out to everybody doing what they've got to do to make their moves and make their ways. Um, you know, so I'm excited about life in general on this great Martin Luther King Day. I know there's going to be a couple of times we're going to touch on that, but let's always remember the plight and the and the fights that that have been uh, waged and won and still continue oh, yeah. to fight to this day. You know. Yeah, I got something to say on that, but I want to introduce our other co-host, Miss Kristen Souza in Kristen's corner over there. And she really is in the corner. How are you, Kristen? <laughs> like truly just tucked in the back corner of my basement. <laughs> I am good, Joe. How are you? Guys? Get in the corner. <laughs> I know, right? It's like dirty dancing. No one puts Kristen in the corner. Okay. Um, no, you? I am doing well. Very, very good. It's uh, like you said, Martin Luther King Day. So that is fantastic. It is a small human home from school day. So I've been hanging out with the little one running around a little bit this morning. So all good stuff, kind of wrapping up the, the final phase of my store closing. So I uh, got to carry some large Ikea glass cases out into the parking lot. I just want to Thank the Lord that I didn't drop them and break them because I'm not a strong gal. <laughs> you are a very strong gal. Don't you dare say that. You know what? I, all right. all of this. I lifted a 40 pound the- case. You are a strong girl in many ways. And remember that it Appreciate takes a strong person to so make much. it through this life <laughs> without medication. Anyway. Yes. All right. So, yes, you are correct. Today's Martin Luther King Day. And I'm especially feeling the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King today. I don't know why. Um, It's always been a very important day in my life because I'm probably one of the few people who are actually alive on the day he was shot. And I do remember that day very, very, very vividly because I remember my mom 
listening to the radio and hearing the news. And she was crying. And I asked her, Mommy, why are you crying? And she said, they killed Martin. And I said, why did they kill him? He was a good man. And she said, because bad people do bad things. And they kill good people. And that's how it is. And I'll never forget that. And today, this this is a very important day to me, to me today. And it strikes me very hard because I listened to the whole speech today. And it seems today that people have forgotten the spirit of that speech and what it was really about. And the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King in their activism attempts and their attempts to change the system. Because he had it right. And I recommend that everybody goes out there today, find the full version of that speech and listen to it. And remember the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King when you're trying to make change. And remember what he fought for and what he died for and what he was all about. And try and bring that into your hearts today because we need it now more than ever. So with that, well I just want to say thank you for tuning in. And I'm going to turn it over to Kristen. What's <laughs> going on in your corner? And this is a tough follow because that was very well said and absolutely correct. Um, you know, and, and I kind of just before I get into my corner to piggyback on that, listen to the whole speech. From Media, start those of to us, finish. Yeah, everyone's got their favorite portion of the speech, but what comes before and after that are the more impactful parts. Absolutely. So don't just take the fluffy Instagram caption and post something. Listen to the whole the whole thing. It's good. It's epic. Quite it's frankly. worth your oh. time. Yes. So and with I'll that, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to piggyback off what you were saying, you know, with that, take that and, and interpretate, interpret your own message and saying that's going to go along with how it makes you feel and what the things you're fighting for and the, your own individual exactly. and, and ideas, you know, and Joe made a huge point, you know, let's remember this is not something from another lifetime ago. This is not something that isn't relatable to individuals that are alive today these mm -hmm. things happened in the lifetime in our lifetime as a general hour this has happened in our lifetime and it's something that was not so far long ago in comparison to conversations you know things that happened two three hundred years ago but this is these are still things that affect us to this day yeah. so these are still fights that are going on to this day there are many individuals still fighting that same fight. So just because just fight we are in, in that Northeast, spirit, we are in the Northeast and it may be the area of steady habits, but we are because of Connecticut. We, you know, from the very beginning, we've had a little bit more freedoms and liberties than a lot of other places in this country that still to this day face so many um, prejudice and atrocities and low support and you know, still face those medical deserts and food deserts and, you know, areas where there's not a medical center 
in two, three hundred miles based solely on the demographic, you know? So 100%. it may not be a written law, but they still kind of enforce that systemic right. behaviors. So on that note, Kristen, take it away. Take it away. Well said. So, yeah. So, so as we all know, I do Kristen's Corner and it's to highlight some of the cannabis adjacent and cannabis events coming up in the state over the next week. Um, so there are a couple and one that's not necessarily an event, but just something I wanted to mention. Our friend Lisa Capitani, she owns Nine Ledges LLC and she is an endocannabinoid system nurse. Um, she has released a new book on Amazon. It's called Mindful Metrics. I carry her first tracking journal in my store. It's very popular. And these are really great journals and books for folks that want to be mindful about their consumption. And, you know, particularly for women of a certain age, they are hesitant to try cannabis. And so this kind of like a food journal, tracking it, seeing how you feel, how much you've consumed, it's tremendously helpful for breaking the stigma and getting folks to feel more comfortable mm -hmm. with cannabis medicine. So I think everything Lisa does is fantastic. So I just wanted to mention that Lisa Capitani has her new book, Mindful Metrics, released mm -hmm. on Amazon, and she'll be promoting that throughout the state. And oh, elsewhere. she'll be promoting it on the show next week. She will. <laughs> there you go. So, so she'll be on the show next week. She'll tell us all about it. Great. Um, and then on the 20th, we have um, a couple events coming up. So again, over at Wholeness House, there is Cushion Cauldrons, their winter extravaganza. That is a great event. So you can hit up either Holly Broderick or Dr. Aaron Doolittle for information about that. But a really good time involving, you know, mindfulness, um, just networking, collaboration, being around like-minded folks, really fun and educational events. Um, and another one happening on the 20th is at Running Brook Farms in Killingworth. They will be premiering the documentary uh, Harvesting Hope. So that is in collaboration with the Connecticut Hemp Industry Association. It's a documentary where they have interviewed various hemp farmers across Connecticut or folks that have hemp adjacent businesses. And this is a documentary that they've been working on for a few months that they're launching now um, to help aid in you know, various advocacy and legislative efforts. So they are having a premiere at Running Brook on the 20th. Um, it is free and open to the public. So just reply via DM on their Instagram. Um, you can go to Chia, CT Hemp Industry, or Running Brook Farm. There's a graphic. So very great time. I will be yeah. there. Um, Shout out to Becky up there. I right love on. Running Brook Farms. If you, get, if you do have a chance to go there, I would recommend it. It's a beautiful place. She really has a nice setup up there. So yeah, great I would items. recommend going there Becky and it's and her great family, support yeah. for the hemp industry. And even one step further from the hemp industry, just as a garden center, as a farm store, firewood yeah. by a family owned business, they grow really nice. tons of herbs as well outside of the hemp space. So they have lavender, witch hazel, they uh, chamomile, they grow all of them in house. So your witchy herbs, your more holistic herbs, um, she does like two or three acres of just medicinal yeah. herbs outside of hemp as well. So really, really, really great people. I am a big fan. I like Becky a whole lot. Uh, and the last All one right. this week is Smokes and Jokes. So that's going to be on the 21st. Um, so Smokes and Jokes, it's exactly what it is. It's a comedy show, cannabis friendly. That is being held. Oh, Josh, can uh, Joe, can you help me out? Where is that being held? 
in New Haven somewhere, they can go and, and follow them on Instagram, Smokes and Jokes USA. It's their location hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, so we'll share some graphics in our stories on Green Haven Media and also each of us individually. So Joe, myself, Lou, but definitely check that out. Very good time. And that is it for this week. We'll run events, um, you know, week to week. So we've got some things coming up towards the end of the month and early February, and we'll drop those next week. And always check our social media because we're constantly sharing and posting all of these events. So I see that our guest has joined us today. So I wanted to give, this is a very special day for us. It's probably one of the most highest profile guests we've had on the show. And I'm very excited to have this man on. So with us today, we have Mr. Montel Williams. So Montel, Mr. Montel earned his media celebrity status as an Emmy Award winning television personality whom Americans invited into their homes for more than 17 years. Alongside his TV career, he's become an inspirational speaker, author, entrepreneur, and advocate for patients worldwide. At the height of his TV career in 1999, Williams experiences his first symptoms of MS, a sharp and 24-hour neuropathic pain in his feet and legs. When pharmaceuticals prove ineffective for pain management, his doctor recommended he try cannabis. Williams became an early advocate of cannabis law reform in the U.S. Back when he started as an advocate, patients were being dragged out of their homes in wheelchairs by the police for using cannabis to treat pain. And Williams was one of the few high-profile voices on Capitol Hill fighting for their rights. Over the past two decades, he has worked to pass cannabis legislation in key states and led the push for military veterans to access medical cannabis without the threat of losing benefits. And now he serves as founder of Lentive Scientific and the Montel by Select brand, while also hosting Let's Be Bunt podcast, which provides education and information on the cannabis industry. Welcome, Montel Williams. How are you today on this Martin Luther King Day? Oh, you got to unmute. There you are. <laughs> Excellent, sir. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Sure. Great, great. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And thank you for all your hard work in the cannabis industry and also within, you know, the legalization factor. Thank you so much for being one of the early voices in in this in this fight. Well, you know, yeah, way back when it was not Vogue. I mean, let's go back to 2001. Uh, it wasn't Vogue. I literally got castigated pretty much across the country for stepping out and talking about my cannabis use, but I could give a damn less what people thought about it. It was actually what was helping me deal with my symptoms and has helped me deal with my symptoms now for over 23 years and will continue to for the next 23 years. So, um, yeah, uh, there were tough times back then, but... Uh, you know, I got to tell you something. I truthfully believe that, and part of my advocacy was the hope that we would be way further along than we are now. Um, it seems so crazy that we are only where we are today, only because, you know, as much as we like to blame and point fingers at the federal government for their slow adaptation and slow change in regulations, we need to pointed many fingers, you know, what's that old saying? When you point one finger this way, you got three pointing back. Well, let's point, there's three more pointing back at 
this industry for mm-hmm. failing to do what we should have done all along the way, and that is truly advocate for patients' rights, for the ability for an individual to have access to efficacious medication. I agree with and believe in what we call adult use, but I think that we've really gone in the wrong direction when it comes to adult use because we act as if that's something similar to alcohol. It's not. I think people who gravitate to cannabis are gravitating to cannabis, whether they want to admit it or not, for an overwhelming and and literally for a medical reason anyway, even if they won't admit it. The person says, I smoke a little bit when I come over because I want to relax. Well, that's because you want to relax. And it's helping you relax. Those who say I do it because it helps me sleep, that's sleep. That's a medical reason. That's not just adult use. So what we've really got to do now is, and hopefully, you know, your voice and mine and those of others in this industry will finally step up to the plate and say, you know what, we haven't even scratched the surface when it comes to cannabis yet. We're like the Wright brothers pushing that wooden blade that brown down the hill. We still got jets and wheels and other things to come. So why don't we all start working together? Forget about the fact that we're all trying to individually buy a damn yacht and go on out and work together, form a collaborative group that can help push forward and lobby to push the laws forward to get the government to say, just like, you know, I don't know if you saw this article that came out this week, but, you know, from the FDA themselves, our FDA has just written a letter to the DEA along with Health and Human Services. They wrote a letter actually acknowledging the fact that cannabis should be rescheduled now and should have been rescheduled years ago because we recognize it is not an addictive drug. It should not be put in the same category as heroin and LSD. This is a substance that has medicinal benefits. There are over 35,000 peer-reviewed published documents out already on cannabis, 3,500 coming every single year, talking about the value of not only the psychoactive version of cannabis, but also the non-psychoactive versions where we're talking about all the minor cannabinoids, which we know now truly affect us as mammals. So I'm sorry, I'm going uh, to my, my soapbox, but I got to tell you, man. Um, Keep going. It's, it's as much fault of the federal government for the reason why we are still where we are today. It's as much their fault as it is this industry's fault. Absolutely, Montel. And you made so many good points in there. I don't know where to start, but I think the biggest one you made is that this is medicine. First and foremost, cannabis is medicine and always has been. Before they made it illegal, it was on the U.S. pharmacopoeia for over 100 years before you know, it it was made illegal, and we can leave it at that unless you want to get into why it was made illegal. But But people need to understand that it was on the U.S. pharmacopoeia back 100 years before it was made illegal in 1937 because of the Marijuana Tax Act. And let's make sure people understand it wasn't made illegal because it was a marijuana drug act. It was a marijuana tax act because, you know, there are guys like Charles DuPont and William Randolph Hearst who realized that they, their, their industries were being so poorly affected by cannabis that they lobbied the federal government. They had the money to do so. And they said, let's just blame this all the way, all these darkies coming into the United States and 
we can get rid of this. Well, the truth of the matter is we got to go back 400 years. Let's go back to yes. 1590, 1701, when, you know, back then you could pay your taxes to the federal government with hemp. Let's remember that America wasn't built on tobacco, cotton. America was built on hemp. And those who grew hemp knew the difference between hemp and what we call marijuana today, because back then they weren't worried about 0.3, you know, uh, percentage uh, of THC. That was an arbitrary number that was just uh, somebody came up with for no dumbest reason whatsoever. Um, so the truth of the matter is back in the early days of America, you know, we recognized the value of this plant because, you know, the world had recognized the value of it. Every sail, every rope, every tent, Every canvas that was on top of wagon going west was all made from hemp. The only thing that the you know the revolution the the the, the Brits and the U.S. had in common during the Revolutionary War was hemp-based uniforms. The same thing that the North and the South had in common during the Civil War: hemp-based uniforms. The same thing that you know everybody who trashed our um, uh, the Capitol during January sixth. A lot, of camp, a lot of cannabis was being smoked in those hallways down there. So we know that. So this is something that has doesn't have a right or left. This has a middle, and that middle ground all Americans come in together on, and they agree that it is okay. It should be okay for, for people to consume this product if they choose to. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. And it's so well said. And I think what has happened is the focus now in this country has become the recreational aspect. The the oh, you know, the stigma came from the stonerism, the the stig, you know, oh, you know, the hippieism of it. When realistically, this plant nobody even knew how to use it in that way until the federal government and those gentlemen you spoke of publicly announced that you could, nobody in America, hardly anybody was using it that way. It was all medicine. And, you know, but, but during the, you know, if we go back, you could, you know, I'll tell you a very funny one. Go, go to any library in America and go to the microfish and take a look at any newspaper in this country back 1870, 1880, 1890, 1900. If you go back to the classifieds and you go back to, you know, uh, the ads at the end, there are probably pages full of, filled with tinctures and other medicinal agents to utilize cannabis with. Because we recognize how much it made people feel better. And we knew that. And remember, we're coming out of a time, something called the Civil War, where we had more people injured in this country, walking around disfigured in this country than we have in any war since. And people needed something that brought them relief, and for us to then just summarily dismiss it and say, no, 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 we're not going to let you use this anymore because those black and brown people do it, you know, really ignorant. And when we recognize that the rest of the world found value in cannabis from the African continent to South America to Asia, but got forced into a corner by the United States and Europeans. Exactly right. That was interfering with textiles and the destruction of the big trees. Yeah, we're talking countries that depended on hemp, that had been using cannabis for centuries, not only as medicine, but for industrial, and they got sucked in by the UN and forced a, a whole industry and a whole 
form of medicine taken away from them their cultures that was deeply embedded in their cultures it's 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 a travesty it's just like i've always said that that was one of the worst things when they made hemp illegal it was one of the worst things that happened to humanity no we all know that there is probably over 2500 uses of hemp not just the consumer product not just consumer products that we have for marijuana but there are well over 2,500 uses. I mean, recently there's a, there are multiple companies that are now being publicly traded that have discerned that if you were to take the byproduct from even the legal human consumption market of hemp, you take the cellulose material, you take the leaves, you take the stems, the sticks, you can burn those into a graphene type material that has a greater electrical capability than graphite. So right now we know that we could make batteries out of the waste products that are used in a lot of cannabis and hemp production. We can make batteries out of that that are lighter and more efficient than even lithium. But, you know, again, we keep fighting this because, you know, we don't want to lose out on the tools that we have to incarcerate yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons. And of course, there's always the industry, capitalism, financial reasons uh, by the people who are still in control of oil and textiles who really don't want to let go. And right. uh, yes, exactly right. So it's still an uphill battle. And one of the things I've always said is, can you imagine where we would be now if this was not made illegal 80 years ago? Good. First off, they made it illegal. You couldn't even research it. Talk, yeah. talk about, couldn't even research it. We literally, if you remember, go back to uh, the early 60s in the United States. We had mm -hmm. a drug that was uh, being actually distributed because they thought that it worked for morning sickness, pregnancy, sickness, postpartum. The drug was called thalidomide. Right. And Thalidomide made uh, some of the most horrific birth defects uh, the world had ever seen. And now, 20 years later, we researched that same drug that we had banned and realized that it has actual efficacious reasons for its use for other maladies and is now back in the cornucopia and back in the mainstream usage in America for certain other illnesses. Uh, excuse me. Cannabis never, not one person in the history of cannabis use has ever died from cannabis use. They've died for other reasons associated with cannabis and not really associated with cannabis. I think one of the only cases in the United States that people have found that they try to try to attribute cannabis use to had nothing to do with the cannabis, it had to do with the fact that the person was smoking moldy cannabis. They were so smoking a product that was so poorly produced that it was literally put mold in their lungs and that wasn't killing him. Killing him. It was the mold that was killing him, not the cannabis. Right. 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 Yeah. No. And there is no lethal dose for cannabis. The lethal dose for cannabis cannot be physically consumed. Absolutely. 
So to Montel's point too, when you're pregnant, so when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was on some anti-seizure medications being treated for migraines. And I had doctors telling me this is going to be fine. Now, meanwhile, I'm doing my own research and it's telling me there's going to be birth defects and, and potentially all of these issues. This was approved. However, Smoking cannabis put me at risk of dealing with the Department of Children and Families, which causes no birth defects that are known to man. Um, so that was just a really good point because the pharmaceutical industry will encourage things that are known to cause issues and then hesitate to encourage the use of cannabis, which has no known issues that we're aware of. Um, you know, well, there, there's some discrepancy with that maybe, but... If you, if you bring up the, can, the the pharmaceutical industry, I mean, what's really ridiculous is the fact that not only do they lie about what cannabis does, but they won't even teach the fact that cannabis is part of your genetic makeup. It is your endocannabinoid. You have an endocannabinoid yeah. system. That endocannabinoid system is antagonized by external hemp-based cannabis use. Only when I say antagonized or agonized, it literally stimulates the production of your own endocannabinoids, which is something called anandamide and 2-AG. Those two chemicals are chemicals that you as a human being, as a mammal, make. You produce right. them, and they have been produced since the dawn of man. So right. how you go to a medical school and not recognize that the one thing that all science has proven is responsible for your cellular homeostasis, they don't even teach this. But they're now starting to places like, you know, uh, uh, Washington University, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, several colleges across the country are finally starting to teach the endocannabinoid system, recognizing the fact that in some cases it's because of a lack of certain endocannabinoids like an antibiotic that certain maladies may be caused by that. There's research being done right now to see if this whole thing that we call autism and those spectrum diseases are because of a shortage of an antibody in your body. Right. The endocannabinoid fatigue. There you go. Interesting. Yes, it's it's been diagnosed. Endocannabinoid fatigue. And imagine this. We acknowledged the endocannabinoid system. I believe it was 1992. Well, let's go in back even further. In Israel? That. Yeah. Dr. Shulam was researching. Well, when he first started researching what are the active ingredients in cannabis, which I think started in as early as the 60s, the U.S. government started funding him in the 80s. He identified both THC and CBD. Then he identified the, the, what, how, what, what cells in the body actually were receiving those. That's when the endocannabinoid was, system was discovered. And no one has refuted that ever since. And now we know right. fact that that is a secondary kind of, for lack of a better term, sympathetic nervous system that exists within us. All right. have it. it needs to be fed. But when we stop feeding it, oh, a hundred years ago, you know, we started looking at a lot of onset of a lot of very types of autoimmune diseases that we had never seen before. Right. Yes. Yeah. Very many. I know you and I are close to the same age and I can totally see the difference in the amount of allergies, in the amount of autism, in the amount of different diseases that have happened, let's say since the 1980s, maybe that weren't around when we were growing up. Let's Let's just be real about that. And that was the takeover of Big Pharma. So, um, all right. So here we are. And, you know, Montel, one thing I did want to bring up, you are a big advocate for veterans' rights. And what most people don't realize is that you have a very long and decorated career in the military, 
prior to your broadcasting career. And I want to acknowledge you and thank you for your service and thank you for your work with the veterans because that's a plight that a lot of people don't understand the way that U.S. veterans are treated. And and maybe you can enlighten me a little on this. Has any progress been made with the use of cannabis and them allowing it to be covered by VA. I mean, I know we were behind very much in that. Has any progress been made in that front? The VA is not covering cost of that or anything, but at least the VA has issued a couple of, um, I don't know what you're calling it, and I'm I'm, I'm speaking out of terms, I use the wrong term, but there are letters that have gone out that definitely allow veterans to utilize the product and not lose their VA benefits. So if a veteran goes in the hospital and he is tested and tests positive for cannabis, that won't automatically make him lose his benefits. That's the first step that we need. There was a point when they were doing that. If a veteran got a medical card, they would lose their benefits. People need to understand that. Right. But in states where the government has legally passed a medical marijuana legislation or a um, adult use legislation in a state. If you live in that legal state and you're a veteran, you have a right to utilize cannabis in that state and not lose your benefits. So at least that's the one thing that has moved forward, I think, uh, of value. But, you know, it's still hard to get, you know, it's, it's so funny, you know, a lot of the senior leadership in the military don't even understand that, you know, they don't understand the difference between THC and CBD, CBG, CBN, CBC, and all the other minor cannabinoids. They don't even take the time to try to figure that out. They just think that if it can't be a plant, it can't, it's got to be illegal, which is really ridiculous because they won't allow for sales of CBD products in military exchanges. They have banned and told soldiers and sailors and Coast Guardsmen and Marines and Air Force people that they're not allowed to use those products, which is really asinine because... You know, we do know that CBC, CBG, CBN, CBD, CBDA are all minor cannabinoids that are of benefit to the human being or any mammal. Right. right. Yeah. And now you discovered this in 1999 when you were diagnosed with MS, right? Yeah. How did you, um, had you used it before? Yeah. I mean, how did I not want to get it? I'm going to tell you the truth. I was on active duty in the military from 1974 through 19, really, I was in the reserves for two years, from 1992 to 1996. Um, so I didn't use a lot of at all back then because you got tested. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then I came back to it. But before that, I did. And, um, you know, I had uh, the same effect that anybody in the early 70s had with cannabis. Yeah. It was okay, but I, I walked away from it because of my military service. But when I started, it was very weird. I started noticing when I started my show, I started kind of gravitating towards cannabis even before my diagnosis because I recognized that cannabis made me feel better. There were mm. things going on in me that I could not explain. And it wasn't until I got my diagnosis that I finally realized why cannabis works so much because I was literally following the same, you know, path that our federal government has. I mean, most people don't know, even on your show, I bet you've got a lot of viewers who don't recognize that back as early as 1999, 
our government applied for then in 2002, gave itself a patent. One of the first patents actually given out on cannabis was given to That's the right. patent number 6630507. Uh, that is a uh, patent. If you look it up and read the abstract, right. our government knew about cannabis back then. Why? Because we were the ones funding Mishulam's uh, research in Israel. We knew the value of cannabis. Exactly. And we had our own program. People don't realize that the U.S. federal government had a small medical marijuana program. They would send you a canister of 100 joints per month, specific patients that they were studying. And it, it was grown in Alabama, right? University of Alabama or Mississippi? And University of Mississippi. And right. it wasn't so much that you know, if we go back when that program started, that program started under the first George Bush, and it was a compassionate care project because if you remember back at the time, you know, HIV and uh, right. other things were, were taken off in America. And it was a large group of people who went down to Washington, D.C. and said, you know, this is a medication that works. And they said, yes, it does. We started growing it at the University of Mississippi, started delivering it still till today. There is has been distributing cannabis to some of those patients. It started off with 22. I think there's only three surviving members now. And then they still get their cannabis every single month. And it can't be denied. Every single, that cannabis that they receive is literally a budget line in the annual budget that the federal government puts out. And how dare they sit back and say that they didn't believe that it worked. All you have to do is read the abstract yourself that the government applied for its own patent for, and it will tell you what the government believed that cannabis was capable of doing well over 20 years ago. And right. so it's it's ridiculous that there has been this fight against cannabis at the federal level ever since. And every single year, every senator, every congressman in this country who votes on the annual budget votes to include that budget. That level. program, right. So how dare you say that you can't use something that we authorize? It's kind of uh, hypocritical, let's... Yeah, not just kind of, but yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> right. Right, <laughs> but I mean, that's par for the course uh, for the government. Um, but, you know, let's, let's, let's fast forward to now. What made you get into the cannabis industry? You started out with a CBD company, correct? Well, I, I, I have been in cannabis since really 2002. And right. you know, I tried to launch my first brand back in 2010. I did so in 2011 in California. Um, and my company's called Lenative Scientific. And I have a product line out that's called Inspire by Montel. I got involved in California and ran into some situations where I wanted to get out of the relationship that I was involved with. So I stopped my line then. And then um, recently I had done a podcast a couple of years back with a veteran uh, who was out of Massachusetts who had his own company. And literally in that conversation, he said, you know, I'm not you should be back in the business. And I was like, you know, maybe I should. And so mm -hmm. I went and started with their company in mass and put product lines back into the marketplace in Massachusetts. I'm about to launch my products in Georgia and hopefully a couple other states very soon. Um, why? Uh, I got tired of, going to dispensaries and not finding products that I thought of any value uh, and finding right. products that really didn't answer the issues that I wanted to have answered. 
I've been utilizing a certain and way before you were at terms like CBD, CBG, CBN, CBC. I was looking for monocannabinoids back in 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. long before it became both. And so I uh, recognized that some of the formulations that I had, there were other people who have utilized them that it elicited the same response in them that it did with me. And so therefore, you know, why just have something that I could use for myself? I want to make sure I could share it with others. And um, I'm back in the, in the space and proud to be a, a canopreneur. And we'll stay that way uh, for as long as I can. Well, that so just to make it clear, you pretty much formulate and came up with the different formulations for these oh, vapes, have, right? They're vapes. I have vapes out right now in Massachusetts. I'll have tinctures, gel caps, pills, topicals in Georgia. And um, hopefully we'll be able to put those together in multiple states. I have, I'm, I'm trying to expand my line in mass. I will hopefully within the next year and do the same thing in several other states. And so I'm trying to get to Maryland, a couple other places, but yes. And I am the formulator. I formulate them and then turn those formulations over to, you know, a contract manufacturer who, who will make them to my specification. Excellent. Excellent. We, they are, they are THC, CBD, and other monocannabinoids mixed together in the same vape car with a proprietary terpene um, addition to them. Oh, that's, I think that's what a lot of people forget is, and, and you and I both smoked weed in the 70s, so we knew that that was coming straight out of the ground. There was no crossbreeding. There was no changing the strain. And obviously, it was a lot dirtier than what we smoke today, but it was a much more balanced cannabis, you could say, because it wasn't tampered with. So it, it had the original CBD to THC ratio. And I got to tell you, it was a different high. It was a different feeling. Old different experience back in the early 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s, early 80s. Um, and then, you know, of course, up in the northern you know, Golden Triangle in America, we had too many growers up there trying to grow the monocannabinoids out of the plant and right. try to get THC because they really didn't understand the value of the plant. And yeah. now we're starting to roll that back and get back into a place where, you know, in lots of places around the country, you can find good, you know, uh, broad spectrum cannabis, which is, is really at the end of the day. But I mean, I, I will tell you, for me, I like to not only go with the broad spectrum of the original plant, but then go back and enhance it with other cannabinoids and other terpenes and raise those levels up a little bit more because those are the things that I found that have, have helped me, uh, especially with things like spasticity, um, uh, things like uh, lock and, and other things that that um, just by tweaking it just a little bit, but still using that broad spectrum, I'm able to listen to the responses that I want. So I have formulations that are out right now that are combinations of THC, CBD, THC, CBD, CBN, THC, CBD, CBG, CBN, THC, CBC, CBD, CBG. So, and uh, each one of those formulations elicits a separate response. Wow. Are these available? They're available in Massachusetts at the adult use dispensaries or medical use only? They're available at both, adult use and medical. Wow. Well, you know, I'm going to have to take a trip up there, but what would it take 
to get them down here. Obviously, you know, we have legalized cannabis here in Connecticut. We have quite a few dispensaries. What would it take to get them here? I'm trying to get there as quickly as I possibly can. I just got to find a uh, contract manufacturer, a partner on the ground that's willing to work with me and uh, put them in. Oh, okay. So that shameless plug, (laughs) how to go in Montel, I'm Louise, I'm one of the other uh, co's here. I'm a vertically integrated adult use and medical provider here in the state. We own a brand called a company called Nautilus Botanicals. We are a medical and adult use cultivator, manufacturer, processor, as well as two dispensaries that will be opening up shortly. So we'll definitely make sure to touch base and be able to move forward with those things. We'd be able to help you with that. Well, I'd love to, you know, so, uh, you know, you, when we get off, I'll give you some information about who to reach out to in my office. And we'd love to come down and have a conversation about that. I'm trying to get in as many states as I possibly can get into as soon as I can. And, um, and you know, and, you know, the biggest part of that is that medicinal portion that as we continue to say, no matter what, even in the adult use idea that this is still a medicine and we have to protect our patient rights and those formulations help so much. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Patients are, you know, they should be provided a choice and have an opportunity to look at and sample and tie something. Because we do know that, you know, with cannabis, when it comes to that, not one size actually fits all. My formulations, I have a, a energy, a calm, a chill, and a snooze right now in the mass area. And, you know, you can combine those together. You can use a snooze. Like for me, I happen to use the energy most of the day. But then, you know, as I get to the end of the evening or get to a latter part of the day, I like to come down a little bit and try to, you know, not necessarily have a huge euphoria that's going to keep me awake and trying to solve the world's problems while I'm sleeping. You know, I like to kind of fade into rest. And so, you know, what I've formulated is a product that I call Snooze that has CBC, CBN, CBD, THC, at all equal components, so 25, 25, 25, plus a particular terpene formulation that I've added to that, that'll help elicit that response and help put you to sleep. I've got one that will just, you know, calm me down when you come home from work. And I, I, it's a product that, you know, if I'm, my, my, my energy is a big banger. I mean, that's a, that's a heavy hitter. Um, it is by volume, 95% THC, 5%, CBD and then extra terpenes on top. That little bit of CBD is just enough to take that edge off so you don't get anxiety. You'll get the euphoria that you want. It'll take you to the moon if that's where you want to go. However, you won't be on the moon all jittery and nervous and all hyped up. No, it's it's a really nice, really, really smooth euphoria. Helps you function. One of the things I've noticed is that you take to it, you hit it pretty hard, you'll be cleaning your house, <laughs> you'll be cleaning the car, you'll be running around doing more uh, projects that you get to think of, and uh, but at the same time, not feel overly anxious. So that's why I add the, tea, the CBD on the top, because it literally, in that vape cart, will help to just tampen down that anxiety. Wow. You know, those are the type of things I used to do on my own. I'd have a CBD cart and a THC cart and go one after the other. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I love that because I've been smoking flour in, you know, high THC, whatever, but I've been embarrassed to admit that like lately it has been making me feel anxious and like heart fluttery. And so finding either carts or mixing CBD with it, I have found 
helps tremendously. And, you know, I'm all like, I've been smoking for a long time now. Where is this coming from? But our bodies change, our mindset changes. So that's jump huge. Up jump up the mass and look for Inspired by Montana. I'll guarantee you, I could take Kristen, some Kristen, we're getting in the car this weekend. <laughs> I met you in Mass. I was you one of the dispensary owner in Mass. That's right over the border. <laughs> I accosted you, Montel. I have a picture with you. Great. <laughs> right. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Very <laughs> excited about that. That sounds like something I would use to go to the gym. That sounds like something I would completely use to push forward in my day as I'm meeting that midday hump. You know, those type of things as I'm trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle. You stay on that till about three or four o'clock when you come home. Then you can change over and use either my calm or my chill. The calm and the chill are products that literally are uh, three to one and uh, and two to two. So uh, it'll give you a nice, even buzz that won't be so overwhelming. You still get things done. All right. I'm, I can't wait to try those. Lou, we got to get them down in Connecticut. All right, real quick, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we got about five minutes left. I want to talk a little bit about the podcast, Let's Be Bunt with Montel. When does it air? Um, it's weekly, it's, right? It's weekly, and it's on all the streaming services that carry podcasts. Um, I am proud of the fact that I think we've done well over 250 uh, episodes to date. I've had everybody on there from Dr. Oz to Sanjay Gupta to senators and congressmen to you name it all people who are stakeholders in the business and people who aren't stakeholders in the business that have come on to just discuss their either usage of or their advocacy for. And, um, you know, you can go up and take a look at the episodes and, and pick one and I guarantee you'll enjoy it. And, and, and what is the website? Let's be blunt. Be blunt with Montel. Let's be blunt with Montel. Yeah. You have had some great guests. I checked out a few of the episodes and what day do you release the new ones? Um, you know, I, I, and I'm so sorry. I've got a producer who does all that hard, heavy lifting. I believe they're all released on Thursdays. The new ones are released on a Thursday. So new episodes every Thursday. Let's be blunt with Montel. Yeah, no, that's great. Have you found the transition from TV to podcasting is, has been uh, been fairly easy? I mean, it's a lot different being your own boss than having a network. You can say what you want, right? First of all. I guess I, I'd piggyback on that. And are you finding it enjoyable in this time in your life as you're traversing advocacy business, your individual issues that are going on? Are you enjoying the podcast space? I, I really do. I, I do two podcasts. I not only do Let's Be Blunt, but I also do um, one that is uh, free thinking with Montel. I have guests come on and talk about a myriad of other things. And um, I enjoy it quite a bit. I, you know, just, just uh, that was part of what I enjoyed the most about doing my talk show. I mean, over the course of 17 years, I spoke to about 32,000 different people on my show. And to do this in a podcast, uh, you know, I probably had well over 300 different guests on the show of, of 200 episodes. I get to meet people, get to share thoughts and have them share their experiences with my you know, a following and people have really enjoyed it. No, and it's great. I used to watch the show all the time. I was sorry when it went off the air, but um, I just real quick, as somebody who's in a broadcaster himself, what what made you transition from the military to mm. television? That's a that's a long story. We probably 
Um, however, you know, back when I was in the military on active duty, I was in a very, you know, I was a special duty intelligence officer working with, you know, some very specialized individuals who uh, spent a lot of time at sea and mm-hmm. I spent time deployed and um, got an opportunity to do some counseling and work with their families that ended up turning into a little bit of a program where I started speaking around the country, spoke around the country for quite a long time uh, on different issues. And that's really what kind of prompted the Monta workshop. Um, uh-huh. Speaking around the country, you know, I was doing special television programming in different markets around the country. I did a lot of work with Gannett uh, stations from Jacksonville, Florida, to Detroit, to Colorado. As a matter of fact, I did a show uh, in Colorado that was called, I I was doing presentations in schools where they used to preempt the entire broadcast for one channel and broadcast my presentations live to the community. Um, That's where literally I had some people reach out and say, you know, hey, you you ought to think about doing this in TV. And I was like, okay, whatever, let's try it. And then I uh, uh, ventured out to California, held some meetings, went on the air in May of 1991 and never looked back. Seven years later, our show was still running. That's that's a great story, Montel, a great transition. All right, so we're almost out of time. Can you let people know how to get in touch with you, follow you, the best places they can find you on the on the web? <laughs> you know, I'm, one of the, I, I'm, I'm the worst person in the world when it comes to literally identifying, um, you know, the streaming services. I know, excuse me, but, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. Um, you can get my podcast anywhere podcasts are shown. So I know I'm on all of those different streaming services for that. You can reach out to me at montelmedia.com. Uh, uh, right, and that's it. Anybody who wants uh, information, go up there and you can find out how to get a hold of me and, and, and you know, uh, check out some of the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah, and you are on all the social media platforms. I've followed you myself. And again, Montel, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your service to this country. Thank you. For, well, so your service to this country in so many ways and your service to this world. Thank right. you so much. You were one of the early pioneers and us out here who are out there fighting the fight, let's call it. I'd rather say making the change. That's right. Making the change. We appreciate you as one of the groundbreaking guys who actually put his career on the line for this plan. I want people to realize that. Put his career on the line for this plan. Well, you know, before we, before we take off, I want to let you know that I've been working on a project uh, for the last now 12 years, but it's now really come completely to fruition. That is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that we are living in a nation right now that is suffering from a mental illness issue. Yes. Uh, one that is really centered around PTSD. We have so many people in this country who are survivors of COVID, who spent two days in the hospital, who are walking around traumatized. We have people who are traumatized in this country who have served our country as in the fighting force. But I've been working on a project for now years that is now acknowledged and recognized by the governing bodies that actually validate psychological protocols organization called the ISTSS that has validated a project that I've been working on. It's called RTM, Reconsolidation of Traumatic Memories, which is really one of the most efficacious treatments for PTSD that exists in the world today. 
It is available uh, right now to anybody. It can actually be administered uh, virtually. Um, and it is 90% efficacious. So if there are people who are you know, suffering from uh, uh, PTSD out there that watch your podcast, I know that in some ways, some people turn to cannabis as a way to deal. RTM can literally ameliorate 100% of the symptoms in as little as five to 10 hours without any medication whatsoever. So I keep talking about it when people spread the word and let them know that if you know of a person who is suffering from PTSD, you yourself have PTSD, this is something that can help you get beyond that in, in, in as little as five to 10 hours. You know oh, what? Bro. We got 30 seconds left, and I really would really love to uh, address that one there. Montel, there's a lot of things. I'm Puerto Rican, grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, and we watched you as a kid. And this is what you're, what you're mentioning, mentioning right now. That's something that the childhood traumas that, that kind of push us towards, you know, it's, it's a huge factor. And I'd love to talk about it more going forward. Yeah. This is the only treatment protocol for PTSD that works for all forms of PTSD. Not just combat PTSD, childhood trauma, sexual trauma, sexual abuse, spousal abuse. You name it, it works. All right. We and can, that. can we reach out and get more information so we can help you promote that and spread the word? I will reach out to Melanie over there and get all the information, not only about that, but about the uh, vapes as well. And, yeah. and let, yeah, we would love to help you promote that in any way possible. And I'm getting the word from uh, our producer to say goodbye. Montel, any last words before we go? No matter what your journey in life, just stay true to who you are. Make sure that every day you wake up with a sense of purpose. Understand that we all can make a difference in everyone's life if we just think bigger than ourselves. Thank you, Montel. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you all. Uh, remember, love will always triumph over hate. Say goodbye, everybody. Any last words, Uncle Lou? Stay happy, healthy, high, my friends. Kristen. Thank you so much. This was great. All right. Goodbye.